our lives will be judged not by what we have built, not by what we have done, but by what we have rejected. Either the things of the world or the things of God. This is All Things New with Pastor Barry E. Fields. We continue our series on the Reformation, sola, what it is to know Scripture alone, through grace alone, and faith alone, from Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. And perhaps today we look at the linchpin of everything that we believe and everything that we have, and that is the word of faith. Romans 1, verse 17, for in it the righteousness of God, that is the gospel, is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous, or the just, shall live by faith. What does it mean to have faith? Even the way we reference Christianity sometimes, we talk about our faith. We talk about the faith, once for all delivered for the saints. We talk about professing faith and confessing faith, but what is it about possessing faith? What does it mean to have faith? Well, here's the big idea. It is that those who have been made right by God do so solely by trusting in God. Let me say that again. Those who have been made right by God do so solely by trusting in God. See, the, the temptation for us is to come at this from one of two angles. We either come at it from our church background where we say, well, I've been faithful in worship or I've been faithful in giving or I've got enough Sunday school medals from being faithful each week that I look like General MacArthur and I can walk around from years of attendance able to talk about all that I've done and still end up in hell. Or on the other hand, to say that I don't know anything about God and my background prevents me from being able to come to him because surely God wouldn't be able to forgive some of the things I've done. And this is where the Apostle Paul comes in. He says, look, whether you're a Jew and you know the law and you know the commandments or you're a Gentile and you didn't grow up with any of those things, whether you're Jew or Gentile, whether you grew up in church or didn't grow up in church, doesn't matter. What matters is whether or not you know Jesus. Because Jesus is the only one who is able to save you from your sins. Whether you are self-righteous or whether you are unclean, you need the blood of Christ. And the reason that we have to trust in the righteousness of God is because of the unrighteousness of men. Who by their unrighteousness, the Bible tells us, they suppress the truth. Because what can be known about God is plain because God has shown it in nature, in the things that have been made. This past night, last night, Dave and Glenn Basham and I were in Breck County in the middle of a field looking up at all of the stars that God had made. You could see the Milky Way last night if you got in the right spot. And to, to see those stars that are billions of miles away, in fact, that you are looking at with the naked eye, billions of light years from what's actually happening because the time is so delayed, that's how far away they are. The idea that God flung them in space. He says that we as human beings are therefore without excuse because we can see God in nature in the things which have been made. Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their own thinking. It became, thus says my mind, rather than, thus says the Lord, my intellect, or thus says my feelings. 
rather than thus says the Lord. As a result, their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise. They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man. I've been to the Swedagon Pagoda outside Yangon, Burma. People flock from all over the world to be there. It's one of the most popular religious sites in Buddhism. You will see people on their hands and knees who are crippled, can't walk, crawling through all of the different statues and idols. You go beyond the biggest one, it's about 50 feet tall, and while I was there, I decided to go around the back and see what was behind that idol. It wasn't anything. It was just a symbol, a symbol for brokenness, a symbol for emptiness, and a symbol for hopelessness. And that's what the Bible says really happens to you, even though it may not be an idol that you can see with your eyes whenever you put sports or success or recognition or family or relationships or anything else you fill in the blank ahead of God. You've got an idol on your hands. And when you do that, what happens is God gives us up in the lust of our hearts to impurity. And so now it's be with whom you want, when you want, where you want, and how you want. Sex without consequences. Even in the church. To the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. They exchange the truth of God for a lie and they worship the creature rather than the creator. We worship what was made rather than the one who made it. And so he begins to name some of the rest of the sins from Romans 1 and Romans 3. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that does good. And we live in an age that declares freedom. So you need to have sexual liberation. You need to have religious liberation. You need to have whatever type of liberation. And we speak of all this, and yet we are among the most enslaved people who have ever existed in the history of the world. Because we are enslaved to our passions. We're enslaved to pornography. We're enslaved to material gain. We're enslaved to the approval of what other people think of us or being recognized by others. We're enslaved to our families. We're enslaved to our environment because we've exchanged the truth of God for a lie and we worship the creature rather than the creator. And because of these transgressions, the Bible plainly declares that we are all without excuse. All of our righteousness is unfilthy rags brought before God that all of the goodwill we can generate will never be enough to make us right by Him. And one of the most difficult things for some of us is that our lives will be judged not by what we have built, Not by what we have done, but by what we have rejected. Either the things of the world or the things of God. Outside Bowling Green, where I grew up, there's a nursing home in Woodburn, Kentucky, which I frequented about 10 years ago on a couple of occasions with my pastor. There was a man there by the name of Austin Duckett. Austin was an accomplished man in that nursing home because he was a noted architect who had designed buildings in Chicago and New York City and even around the world. In fact, on his nursing home stand right next to his desk was a a scale model uh, 
of the Sears Tower, which is now the Willis Tower. He was one of 100 architects who had built that thing. He had built the largest airport in the world in Mecca. He was one of the designers. He had built several buildings in New York City and Nashville and Atlanta. He had literally helped construct castles in the sky. He had gone to the best schools. He would train with the best architects. And we talked about all of that. But you know what our conversations always ended with? Not about what he had built, but about whom he had known. Austin, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have your sins been covered by the blood of the Lamb? Because that's what's going to make a difference for you. Not by what we have built, not by what we have done, but by whom we have rejected. And I want you to think, if there was some way for this skewed universe or this alternate timeline to exist where you could somehow hope that your good outweighed your bad and to be made right with God, if that were even possible, it would be impossible because God alone would not receive the glory. And God is the only one who receives glory and honor and praise, not of works, lest any man should boast that your good works are as sand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, apart from Christ. And dear friends, hear me out and hear me clear. The only way you will see the kingdom of God is by faith. Faith alone you know, faith really determines everything for us. It, it's the relationship between our behavior and our beliefs. If your faith depends on your works, you are always going to feel either inadequate or self-righteous. You're going to feel like you never measure up or you're going to feel like you measure up just fine compared to everybody else. Either way, if that's what you trust in at the end of your life, you go to hell. Instead, he, he tells us that if we come at this from a, a different type of angle, that's the only way we're going to see true faith in Christ. I was talking with a guy who's been coming to Crossroads the last couple of weeks. We were out at lunch, a great guy, and he was talking about, man, he really had a desire to serve the Lord, and he really wanted to do some things for him, but he just had some struggles that he was going through and felt like he needed to make sure he got those right before he did anything else. And I tell him, brother, if you wait till everything's right, you're going to be waiting a long time. Old song goes, if you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. Instead, you have to lay those down at the foot of the cross. Our confidence, listen, our confidence has to be in God and what he has done rather than in us and what we do. See, God's law can reveal your sin, but it can't save your soul. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, my sins. Yet nevertheless, not Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it is grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Anything else is sinking sand. God doesn't need our help to save us. He simply requires that we repent and have faith. And let me say something else. It's going to sound counterintuitive. God doesn't like you anymore because you show up on Sunday night and Wednesday night. Now listen, hear me out. I wish you would. I think it'd be helpful. But you're not any better in God's eyes for doing that than if you don't. And if you think you are, you're going to have a problem on Judgment Day. 
we always, always will have the tendency to rely on whether or not we're a good person to justify our standing with God. And yet the Bible says that Christ doesn't receive people at their best, but at their worst. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 makes clear, and all of these Old Testament figures who we see were justified not by the law that they received, but by the faith that they looked to in Christ and Paul says, if it's by works, if it's that kind of contest, I'm winning it. I've got it all laid out. But it's not. And so Martin Luther, on the day in which the Protestant Reformation occurred, publicly declared that it is not indulgences, the sale of these documents that will make you right with God. It is not in confession or penance, or living a good life, or trying to measure up, or saying a repeated number of prayer. The only thing that will make you right with God is faith in Jesus Christ. Him alone. He's the one who receives the glory. He's the one who receives the honor. He's the one who receives the praise. And so if it's faith alone, then the obvious question we have to ask is, is faith enough? The scripture reminds us that we have a reason that for the hope that is within us. We don't live in blind faith. This isn't simply a leap of faith for us, but it is faith. You got to trust that the God who raised his son from the dead can raise you up out of your sin. It's the only way you'll see him. How does that happen? Right here in this room, right outside these walls, through our witness, faith comes by hearing hearing by the Word of God. And so if it's faith alone that saves us, but God says that we will know one another by our fruits, by our love for one another, what do we do? What do we have to have? We have to have a faith that works. See, we're justified by faith alone, but true faith is never alone. We're saved not from works, not by works, but for works. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We have to have a faith that works. I walked into a shop last week in San Antonio and got to interact with a woman there behind the counter, and we got to talk, and she asked, what do you do? And I'm always leery of that question because the stereotype will come out. And I said, I talk on most Sundays about how to know God and what his word says. She said, you're a preacher. I said, you pegged me. She said, I got saved two years ago. And so I was you know, relieved with that. We can have this conversation now. And she began to share with me how someone had, had walked in and had shared with her the gospel and her, her house had been struck by lightning. A tree in her backyard had been struck by it, kind of similar to Martin Luther's experience all these years ago. And her two little girls were scared to death, and they came up to her, and, and they were afraid. And she said, well, God will take care of us. And they asked her, who is God? And that broke her heart. So she decided after she heard from this guy to take them to church, they went to church, found the Lord, and she said, this is what made the difference for me. She said, when I discovered that it wasn't about what I had to do, that I didn't have to measure up to church, that I didn't have to live this certain type of life, but that God had already forgiven me in Christ if I would take it, and now I can serve him, not because I have to, but because I want to, that's what makes the difference for me. She's leading a small group, leading people to faith in Christ now. I said, why don't you 
put this in a video so that you can show everybody about it at your church. She said the church did it a year and a half ago. So it's actually, she posted it to my Facebook timeline about a, about a week ago. That understanding is what we need. That we don't have to serve Christ because we're obligated to. We ought to serve him because we want to. Because we desire to. Because all of the freedom in the world is ours in Christ. And when you understand that all God requires of you is repentance, all the fitness he requires is to feel your need of him, that a broken and contrite spirit is better than an offering. Oh, what a difference that makes for us. Here's what God says about people who call on him in faith. Thus says the Lord, Isaiah 43, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. Fear not, for I am with you. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. So what do we do? Well, if you're a believer, you need to seriously ask yourself the question, God, where in my life do I need just to trust you by faith? And maybe that's not a singular thing. Maybe that's multiple areas. If I am to live by faith alone... Where do I need to hand this over to you? And then if you're here today, and this is all of us to examine, I don't care how many times you've been in church, I don't care what you've done in the church, what your life is like, where your grandmother went to church, or anything else, not a prayer that you've prayed, not an aisle that you've walked, but if your faith is not in Christ alone, then don't miss out on all eternity for the one who died to save you for all eternity. He says, I will give you life. You can have it abundantly if you'll trust in me. Last night, I faced a dilemma as I sat in the chair listening to some gospel music. Someone who won't be named cried out and said, there's a bug on you. And then promptly took off. And I looked down at my leg, and there was this yellow colored bug with some stripes. Turned out he was a hornet. And he was inside. And Dave Cook, our brave worship pastor, took off his shoe and said, don't move. And he's holding the shoe, getting ready to aim it at my leg. And I've got a choice here. I can trust David, who's frankly got some built-up resentment for me as pastor and could hit me extra hard with that shoe. Or I can try to trust in myself and see if I can get that hornet on my own. I decided to trust in, in David, and it worked out. He killed that bug. You know why I trusted in him? Because he was in a better position than I was to get the job done. And you know something? No matter how well you try to align yourself up with God's law and with his word, you will never be in the position that Jesus is in. Jesus can do it. Jesus can save you. Jesus can cleanse you if you'll just trust in him. And when we live by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, then the power that rests in us isn't ours, it is Christ. 
And so he reminds us that the just shall live by faith. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at barryefields.com.